36,000 chickens were left to die on a Colorado farm as that farm went bankrupt. And what we're going to do in this episode is uncover that story. And we're going to do that by talking to someone who was directly involved in the rescue of the chickens who were rescued because there are 583 now chickens who have been rescued from that farm who are finding new homes all around the country. It's really cool. But I asked, we're going to talk all about that. And so who's our guest today? Our guest is Chrissy DiNardo, and she's the development director of Love and Arms. She's been with them since August. And so before we get into that, who are we? Who the heck are we? We, we are... The two... Rowdy... Rowdiest vegans ever... In the world. Two, two, two rowdy vegans. 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 Two... Two rowdy vegans, one plus one equals two rowdy vegans. It's so good to talk to you. How are you? Oh, I'm okay. <laughs> it's been uh, it's been nonstop since we got the call last Saturday. Um, I'm just actually working remotely today because um, the office is pretty much like uh, the whole building is pretty much a quarantine space. Right. Um, oh, team who isn't I mean I've been back and forth but the team who doesn't absolutely have to be there is actually that we're all working remotely wow oh my gosh I just I tell you what I haven't been asleep since uh they got here about 2 30 a.m yep and uh we got the birds and we went live on Jane Unchained we went live on our Instagram and then um and then everybody, you know, was just all like really high on the whole thing. And, and I just could not sleep. I was up. I normally get up at 5.30 or 6 yeah. anyway. And so I think it just didn't make any sense to my brain to go to sleep. <laughs> I know the feeling. I know the feeling. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you got, you got all 15 of them last night at 2.30. Yep. We did. That's right. We got all 15 of them and they're all, you know, drinking their water with the Thailand in it. They've got their uh, food, their, uh, you know, their low protein food and their, they got some watermelon in there right now. So they're, they're doing really good. They're, they're, they're doing good for their first oh. night, first morning, all is well. I'm so happy that it's nice hearing from the sanctuaries who have taken in the birds and now seeing, you know, seeing them in their permanent homes. We love that. So we're going to continue to follow as you post about them. Cool. Yeah, we're going to continue. We're going to develop some sort of a, a real protocol around getting the stories out and, you know, a marketing strategy around making sure that people continue to follow this amazing rescue. You know, it just, uh, it just hit home last night to, to actually have 15 of the 36,000, I mean, I still will tear up just thinking about it. It just blows my mind that they were, that, that these are the lucky ones that survived all of that. You know, it's unbelievable. Exactly. And it's so rare for a rescue like this to happen and birds come from horrible conditions like this because essentially it was um, a factory farm um, you know they didn't consider themselves that but the you know the level of treatment and the number of birds that were there um, and for factory farms you know you there aren't many ways to legally get the animals so them actually allowing us to go in and rescue them um, is just so so impactful and like we're so happy that this story is getting so much attention because it's also 
people connect better with pigs and cows and they tend to care more about them because they're mammals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this story in particular is really good for chickens. And we've already gotten a lot of comments from people saying they're giving up eating chicken and eggs. And home for them. I know exactly. That's what it's all about. You know? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. So, so, you know, I know I saw channel seven, I saw the channel seven piece. So do y'all expect to get any more coverage out of this? I mean, have you gotten any more uh, news media outlets uh, reaching out? We have a few, yes. We had Channel 7. We also had uh, Channel 4, which is another local station. Um, We have had some articles written about us. Um, We're going to be collaborating later this week, I think, on Jane Unchained. Yeah, Mm. she's uh, she's got – did she contact you? Yes, she did. Yeah, I think um, Wednesday morning. Yeah, that's awesome. sounds like it. Yeah, I'll we're be at the same time. So we'll be able to have some of our rescued chickens in the in the video. That's I'm so, cool. so and we'll have some here too. Because we're gonna be in the, the video. We'll have some here and because I think she's gonna cross us up. So I'm gonna be in the yeah. interview too on B Live. So we'll be able to talk about it from the standpoint of a sanctuary that received the birds. And um, it'll mm-hmm. be really awesome. Yeah, that's great. And so aside from that, we're just, we're sending out our press release. We're reaching out to as many media outlets as possible because we just want the story to spread far and wide. And like, you know, we love getting attention from vegan media, but we also want to get attention from non-vegan media so this can get mm. in front of you know, people who really need to be making that change. That's so cool. That's just incredible. Yeah. Like, like, thank you so much for everything you did because like, I know that I can't even imagine like, what it's like to rescue so many chickens and be a part of like such a massive operation. Like I was just thinking about it and I was like, this is, this is like crazy. You know, like I know that in my, in my circles, like we, we talk about like rescuing like 10, 15 animals and that's, that's like a big deal. Like 10, 15 is a big deal. And I'm like 500 and like 80, 83. Was it the last numbers? I forgot. Yep. So our last rescue was 54 babies um, Saturday night. And so yeah, our rescue count is 583. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. So yeah. So what we would really love to do is, is tell this whole story and, and have your perspective because we've seen, you know, uh, we've obviously seen like the, the post come out and the media coverage and stuff like that. Um, but there are a lot of aspects of the story that I'm still unfamiliar with. So that's kind of like what I would like to touch upon, like, and you'll probably get two cents to to add on to that. Um, but for, the story, like I'm finding it hard to even get across everything that's going on because there's just so much so yeah i'd love to talk about it yeah and uh before we get into that for everyone who's listening uh if you could just introduce yourself uh you know give the background of like who you are how you came to work with love and arms and uh you know anything you want us to know about you yeah definitely so i am currently the development director at love and arms i started here in august of this year so what is that five six months ago Um, I became vegan, uh, let's see how many years ago now, almost about five years ago. Um, I was working at IBM at the time, um, and I became very passionate about animal rights and was also kind of at the same time really disliking my job there. So I quit without having another job lined up um, because I wanted to move into the animal rights movement. And then I actually started my career at uh, my animal rights career at Woodstock Farm Sanctuary and where I was for a few years. And then I moved out to Colorado in May and then started here in August. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm so grateful to have had the opportunities that I have to be able to work um, specifically at sanctuaries and on behalf of the animals. And, um, you know, the I, I feel the East Coast, there's a very different um, sort of culture. Like a lot of people, a lot more people are vegan, a lot more people kind of get it. So I'm happy now to be out here in Colorado where it's kind of like farm country, um, where sanctuary is so desperately needed. Um, and like, you know, so much of our mission, we have the rescue aspect, but then we also have the education and outreach portion. So we are encouraging people to come visit our sanctuary, take tours, and that's, you know, where people really make the connection and so many people go vegetarian and vegan from. Um, and like in the time that I've even been here, we've seen incredible growth um, between 2017 and 2018. Our numbers more than doubled. Um, so we increased our visitorship by 150%. We had over 5,000 visitors this year. So wow, it just, congratulations. Wow, that's that crazy. <laughs> I know. We're so blown away and we're hoping for an even bigger year for 2019. Um, but it just goes to show like how the need for a sanctuary out here. So we're yeah. so happy to be, to be doing this work. Wow. That's, so tell, me, yeah. so tell me, what do you, what does your day look like? What is the, the development director of Love and Arms do? <laughs> <laughs> so every day is totally different. Um, it depends, you know, if we have a rescue, I'll be on the social media doing our posts. I'll be drafting an email to send out to our supporters to let them know about the work that we're doing, um, and connecting them with their passion so they can support our work. Um, I'm doing kind of some work on the back end, converting our database, um, getting photos, drafting stories, updating our website. Um, these are just kind of things coming off the top of my head. Yeah, I know. Makes sense. Especially as a, as a small organization, um, kind of have my hands in all different pockets. But um, kind of in a nutshell, yeah, like fundraising, marketing, PR is kind of how I, and, and donor relations is how I like to describe it. Yep. Sounds like a, sounds like my job. <laughs> no, and you're obviously doing a phenomenal job. So that's so cool to hear. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. So for this time, for this, you know, mass chicken rescue that just happened where, uh, for anyone listening, if you're unfamiliar, what happened was that this farm in Colorado went bankrupt and 36,000 chickens were left, uh, to die basically. And Love and Arms stepped in with other amazing activists to rescue some of them and 583 have been rescued. So, how did this all come about? Like, how did this first start? Like, what's the story? So there was, so we're even kind of a little bit unclear where, where it actually started, but basically there, there's this farm in LaSalle, Colorado. It's about 40 minutes from where we're located in Erie. They went bankrupt, like you said, with 36,000 birds in their care. And somehow the rescuers on the East Coast in New York got wind of it. Mm -hmm. And so they reached out to us knowing that we are a Colorado sanctuary. And when we got that call, we, you know, it, it, we knew we couldn't take in all of those birds to home to house permanently, but we really wanted to help, especially in like such a horrific situation, such massive numbers. So 
we were working with the rescuers on the East Coast. They started contacting sanctuaries, um, micro sanctuaries all around the country to see who could take in some of these birds. That's how we kind of figured out exactly how many would be able to rescue. Um, and then as that was going on, we had a team at the sanctuary who started working in some of our uh, older uninhabited barns and clearing out our visitor center to start putting up heat lamps and crates and just get the space ready. Because um, before this, our biggest rescue, let's see, maybe we probably did a rescue of about like 10 animals at once. Wow. Yeah, this is a massive, massive rescue. Um, but, you know, we just, we couldn't say no. What day was that call? What day did so that? We got the call Saturday, December 29th. December 29th. And so, mm-hmm, in the evening. And then we were at the farm doing the rescue the very next night, Sunday night. So we had kind of 24 hours to get our facilities together. Um, and that's the time that we, you know, discussed with the farm manager that we could come. So we had a rescue group. Um, it was really all hands on deck. I couldn't participate because I was actually on the East Coast at the time, but we had our education and outreach coordinator there. We had um, a documentarian. Uh, he was there along with his partner, like people who don't aren't even uh, our animal caregivers. We just like needed help and we needed hands from anybody who who could help out so we went in late Sunday night um, we had headlamps and crates and basically we just had to kind of sort through all of the birds that were there and really what we saw it was just the worst of the worst there were dead bodies everywhere um, the birds hadn't been being fed because their food had run out and since the farm went bankrupt they didn't have any money to feed them so they had to resort to cannibalism which is an extremely unnatural and unhealthy behavior and just very traumatic for them too to have to resort to that um, there were birds who were completely covered in their own feces. Um, we did try to take some of the birds who looked like they were going to survive because so many of them, we could just tell they were going to die like within an hour or two. Um, but there were two specific birds who we really, you know, connected with and were just like, you know, we know they're going to die in the car on the way back, but we just want to grab them and have them just die kind of in peace. And so they actually died in our laps on the way back to the sanctuary. Oh my gosh. No. You had to go through that. I really, yeah. Like it it was so traumatic for our team, but it's like, you know, the level of trauma that we went through, like doesn't even compare to, you know, what these poor birds have gone through. So we didn't initially want to release the story. So this started happening on, like I said, the first rescue was December 30th, but we were a little bit unsure that if we started releasing the story, we might not, like the farmer might kind of shut down and say, no, we don't want you coming back. This is bad press. So we held out on announcing it to the public until January 1st when things had kind of gotten really bad. Word had gotten out. She started reaching out to other places to find placement for them. Um, So we announced the story actually on New Year's Day. But between last Sunday and then this past Saturday, so 
So over seven days, we made six rescue trips back and forth um, as people were stepping up because we've gotten incredible attention and incredible support from the community, which is like so inspiring to us. And so as people were stepping up, we were going back and rescuing more because they had more homes to go to. Mm. So that's kind of how the rescue happened. Once we were back at the sanctuary, we took those in the most critical condition to um, CSU, Colorado State University, which is our local um, teaching hospital. Um, And the birds we took there, some of them, they had compound fractures in both wings, so they had bones sticking out. Um, One sweet girl, Sam, she's hanging in there. She is back at the sanctuary with both of her wings wrapped up. Um, She was there, uh, Lucien, who also has the compound fracture in one of her wings. Um, There are some birds who have very deep abscesses um, because they were literally being eaten alive. So we brought them to CSU too. So we had a team there and then a team on the ground doing emergency triage care. Um, So right now... In our visitor center, we totally cleared out everything. Our visitor center now is more of like an intensive care unit. Um, We have 26 birds who are in very critical condition, critical care. We have um, 144 babies who are in there. Um, And then the rest of the birds are, they're healthy enough to be outside. Um, So the the rest of the hundreds of birds are at various other locations in the sanctuary. and they're able to, yeah, it's the first time they're feeling sunlight, the first time they're feeling grass on their feet. So it's like just so heartwarming to see them outside. Yeah. How many are you keeping uh, at Love and Arms? So we're, we haven't 100% decided. We're thinking between seven to 10, but we are anticipating that that number may grow mm-hmm. um, because typically um, in foster situations where sanctuaries do rescue a large amount of animals, um, something might happen with some of the homes where they can no longer take them. So we're anticipating that number may increase, but we'll likely be keeping the birds in the most critical condition uh, because they're, they're not going to be able to travel. Right. And for the most part, all the others have, they have confirmed homes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is incredible. They're going to, last I heard it was over 80 different, uh, all across the country, but I'm suspecting that number has actually grown. Um, since we went back and rescued more, we actually have volunteers in New York who are working on placement and coordination. So we kind of get the updates from them. Are you going to be able to like release a list? So everyone that took in these birds can be congratulated and just, I just, I would love to know who did all that. Exactly. Yeah. We we would love to. Yeah. I hope you do. That'd be great. Yeah. We should be able to as, um, as kind of the list is, is complete. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we were first just going to take 10 of the birds and then I guess I heard about it. It was probably on the second or third. And when I heard about it, I was just like shocked. I could not believe it. And I just immediately went to trying to find out who I could talk to, to see what we could do, you Mm -hmm. know? And, um, I guess it was Rocky. I got, I got a hold of Rocky and uh, PJ. And next thing you know, I'm agreeing to 10 birds. And then they asked, what do you think you could take anymore? And uh, I said, well, you know, 
We'll step it up five more. And, you know, we've never, we've never rescued 15 of these types of birds, you know, the, the broiler type. Mm-hmm. We've rescued, one time we rescued about, it was right at 12 to 15 El Paso. We call them our El Pasos because they were actually um, rescued from El Paso from a cockfighting ring. That's the most birds we ever rescued at one time. So this is, this is oh, a big deal to us. Yeah. And I mean, that, that is, that's still a big flock. You know, some people don't realize the level of care that oh, these, yeah. birds, you know, really require to give them, you know, the, the proper level of care. Yeah. Talk to us about so, that because, you know, one of the things that uh, people have been saying, I know you've been getting comments about that too. When I posted about the story, you got comments about it too, where people ask, you know, what happened to all the other birds? Like, how come you, like, how can you rescue quote unquote, like so little yeah. birds and what happened to all the others? Um, and the thing is like, it takes so much care to like care of these, but like, I don't think people understand how big this really is to rescue 583 chickens now. So can you talk to us about what kind of care it takes to, you know, uh, to care of these chickens and make sure that they survive and thrive? Yeah. So well, first something to note with that, you know, the amount of birds that were rescued versus the amount that, um, really could have been rescued. There are not enough sanctuaries across the country to even handle that amount of birds, mm-hmm. um, which is why we really like focus so much. In addition to rescue, we focus so much on the education and outreach portion because there's no way we can really rescue ourselves out of this situation. It needs to come from individual changes from people. Absolutely. So, yeah, exactly. So. We, yeah, we, well, A, we wanted to make sure we had enough homes for the birds before we just went in and really took as many as we could just to like fill up all of our our barns. But really like, so all of these birds came to us, they were dehydrated, they were starved. Um, Many of those in critical condition, they need subcutaneous fluids, antifungals, anti- um, antibacterial, uh, antibiotics, sorry, I'm trying to go through the list of, um, medications they're all on. Um, and you know, as you mentioned, you're, you're feeding them, um, antibiotics just to get rid of the infections that they may have. So some of the, the specialized care that they need on an ongoing basis. So they, these types of birds grow really quickly. Um, you know, they, if you were to look at them right now, they look like they could maybe be full-grown chickens if you look, you know, if, if yeah. your average person takes a look, but you close your eyes and they're still peeping like babies. Yeah. They're still really young. And so they're going to get even bigger. Um, and as they grow, they just, they develop complications. So a lot of times they'll get bumblefoot on their feet. Um, and that it's, it can be fairly common in, in chickens, but this type of bird, they tend to get it more just because their bodies are so big. Um, so it doesn't give their feet a chance to really heal. So they're more prone to infections. They, especially when they come from a factory farm or a large scale industrial farm, they're more, their immune systems are lower. So they're more susceptible to respiratory issues and um, other types of like parasites and bacterial infections. And over the course of their lives too, they need to be, their foods need to be monitored. 
um, because if they are just able, you know, they'll really eat themselves sick. We've read them so much that they will just continue to eat and eat and eat and get put on weight and then eventually die. So they need to really be monitored. Um, and like, you know, at Love and Arms, and I know at Rowdy Girl too, like everyone gets really individualized care. So caregivers know when they're not feeling well, they can tell if they're lethargic, if they aren't eating, they know something's wrong with them. That's the type of individualized care that sanctuaries like Love and Arms, like Rowdy Girl really provide. So it's just, you know, whenever we, whenever there's a rescue and we kind of assess how many we can take in, we need to take in all of these considerations before just saying yes, because we're, we're committing to the highest standard of care for them. And that's what so, you absolutely hit the nail on the head because that's what we've learned here is that, you know, we thought at first chickens, you know, would be easy to take care of. You know, we got all these cows, you know, they, they're going to be the hardest to take care of. But I tell you, chickens mm-hmm. by far go to the vet a lot more often than our cows. They have so many little complex issues. You know, right now we have, you know, Popeye that's in our office with a little diaper on and you know she's been getting treatment for two weeks in a row for a upper respiratory infection it's chronic so Mm -hmm. she'll we have to put her in a little under a little bubble and put her um you know the little ventilator in there so she can get you know all of the the right uh type of inhalations and stuff and it's uh you know we've had to do this is the second time we've had to do this and now you know we're starting to see because we keep her on under observation all the time and, you know, we're starting to see that she's starting to throw up like this fluid. And we know that's not normal. So, mm-hmm. you know, so now she's off on another trip to the vet this week. Oh. So she's got to. And see, this is what happens. And you got to take them to the vet. And, you know, recently we had little chick that passed away. And that vet bill was close to five grand. And if it wouldn't have been for Esther, the Wonder Pig, stepping in and giving us a $3,000 grant, I don't know what we would have done. But people don't understand how expensive chicken care really is. I know, exactly. That's why, you know, our vet bills from our vet for this rescue, first of all, we, we went in after hours on a holiday. So even just stepping through the door, it was already $125 per bird for this. Per bird, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we're we don't have all of our vet bills back yet, but just, I was going through some of the papers of those who have been discharged and it's like $2,500, $3,000, $4,000. So our, they're adding up really quickly. It's, you know, it's really, it's no different than if you were to take your dog or cat to the vet. Mm-hmm. And and that's why, like, I think, you know, to, to bring it back to like the farm and the farmers, that's why it's impossible pretty much for a farming operation to be done in a way where the chickens are actually taken care of mm-hmm. because, you know, I mean, one of the things that we talk about a lot in the community is how, well, when we look at a chicken or a cow or a pig societally, they're not viewed as important as, as other animals. But when we really take this, this perspective that we have now where a chicken's life is just as important to that chicken, then my life is important to me or a dog's life is important to a dog. And so we really get to take care of them um, like their life matters. And the thing is, when you have thousands of chickens like that farm, for example, that 36,000 chickens which I know like there are farms that have way more chickens than that. Like the bears that we were at had a hundred thousand chickens that were, they were processed every you know, 52 days um, because that's what it takes to be profitable as, as a chicken farmer. You can't, you know, like, and, and so that being the case, you have so many chickens and you have to 
you turn them around really it's quickly. All about and, turnover. And it's impossible to take care of them in a way that in in, in any sort of way that's like decent. And so what ends up happening is that, you know, even the birds were talking about that and you witnessed that in the, in the shed that you entered is that birds just die off all the time. Birds that are sick, uh, they just don't, they just don't make it. And because, you know, they can't get treatment or even euthanasia, they no. get killed or they're just left to die or, um, you know, and so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like everything you were just saying that applies, you know, to these quote unquote humane, ethical farms you know like this farm for example they're labeling their meat as free range pasture raised small local farm oh i know doesn't that put it in perspective yeah exactly right and i mean like you it, in order for those okay so they were technically free range right like they weren't in cages but that you know that doesn't mean anything to be suffering mm -hmm. for those individual nope. birds it's not free range to those birds it's, exactly. pretty, it's the made-up story that humans make that are in the industry of mm -hmm. selling birds. Exactly. It's and that's true. Yeah. yeah. That's something that we're, you know, trying to communicate to the public is, like, that, you know, this wasn't just a large-scale factory farm. Like, your free-range, cage-free, you know, whatever marketing term you want to put on it still causes an immense amount of suffering. Right. Are you, do you know what happened at the Barrett's? Are you no. familiar with the Barrett Farm? No, I'm not. Well, they are. They are one of our uh, farms. They're the they're our star under the Rancher Advocacy Program. They are former chicken farmers and cattle ranchers that were. Uh, they had a contract with a very large chicken company. I won't say who. Two of them actually. They worked for two of them. Two of them in their career. And they were, they have four 21,000 square foot chicken sheds, four. And Ryuji and I went there. Ryuji went with me uh, to Arkansas whenever we got word that, I got word through actually Sean Munson, that they did not have any, they were running out of, you know, hay, they were having some problems. And she was really wanting to talk to, um, you know, somebody that was, that she could relate to because she was getting more and more depressed. Come to find out they were just about a week away from running out of hay for their 200 cows. They had stopped killing the chickens uh, in September. They're vegan, by the they're way. They're vegan now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they're vegan, totally plant-based. Oil-free vegan, like the whole, engine, the whole thing. Engine to diet vegans. Really? Wow, yeah. Wow, Chicken next farm. level. <laughs> Next level. And so Ryuji and I went there and we did a fundraiser uh, and raised enough money for them, like $5,000 within 24 hours for them to get hay. Mm -hmm. And so we got them hay. Wasn't it that 24 hours? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It was like fast. That's incredible. Got, yeah. We got them their hay. I mean, I just, uh, it was another thing I didn't sleep on. I don't think I slept. <laughs> and, and we, and we were just documenting the whole time. Well, now their uh, their big dream is to become a hemp farm and a mushroom farm in those sheds. Wow, that's incredible! I love hearing stories like that. You know, yeah. that goes to prove you know they can change. You know, <laughs> with that background. But we're starting to hear a trending thread now. There's chicken farmers are coming. Things with chicken farms are starting to happen. We've got to keep the momentum and the voice of what's happening in the world around chickens because chickens do matter and Jane Velez Mitchell is a huge voice for chickens she will tell every she tells everyone 
95% of all the meat people eat are chickens. You know, they're the most abused bird animal in uh, our food processing system. Nine billion are killed in the United States alone. 50 billion worldwide. I mean, the, the statistics around what we do to chickens are staggering. They are not wings. You know, like she says, wings don't just fall from the sky. You know, what's so beautiful about Sam, it reminds me of Dixie Chick a chicken I had that really opened my, my, my eyes whenever I was massaging her legs one day because she had a problem with her leg and I was massaging her leg. And all of a sudden I had an epiphany that I used to eat chicken legs and it just made me gag. I, I, I got just really ill. And I was, I was having the same type of thought when you were talking about Sam and the wings and how they had to be amputated, not chopped off, and thrown into some tub and deep fried as if they don't matter at all. How beautiful. I know. Yeah. And that's like, we like to tell those individual stories because it shows that like, yeah, we're, we're going above and beyond for them. We're treating them like we would treat a member of our family. Mm -hmm. Like they're, we're in this, um, in this space, we're always going to get comments from people who are still consuming animal products and are, you know, are not, wanting to change at all and some people have commented negative comments like why you know why why are you doing this like she's just a chicken exactly no like you know she she matters her life matters and she's gonna live a long healthy life you know there's case after case of birds these types of birds who have their wings amputated and can go on to live long healthy lives so you know we're gonna continue to share her story and at Love and Arms, she'll meet tens of thousands of people over the course of her lifetime who will hear her story um, and then, you know, in turn, make more compassionate decisions in their daily lives. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, so, we, we had, a, we had a, a rooster named Foster that had an amputated wing. Oh, you did? Yeah. We, had, we had one amputated wing. Yeah. Wow. And he was happy. He was well, wow. one thing that I would also want to talk about is the farmer's perspective. I think a lot of people could, and, and this is myself too, I'm, I'm thinking about myself when I first went vegan, I blamed a lot of things that were happening on farmers. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we're uncovering that we're talking a lot about on the podcast with our different episodes and the ranchers that we're interviewing, the, the chicken farmers that we're interviewing, the bears that we talked about, that these farmers don't have, it's, it's not like they have it good. And many of these farmers are hugely in debt. They work in terrible conditions. The chicken sheds are disgusting places to, to work in if we're talking about chickens. Oh, yeah. um, and, and, you know, one thing that we, we were talking about this, we loved about the way that this, the story came out is that the farmer wasn't portrayed as, as a bad person. Exactly. Because all of this wasn't, you know, I, I don't, I don't want, I'm not saying this is justified it's because it's difficult to talk about it, right? But it's, it's not like it was her fault. It's not like she wanted to do this and this came right. but from exactly. her will. Yeah. Um, We've been really careful when we're doing the messaging, yeah, not to demonize the farmer. Like this this type of um, cruelty about, you know, a farm going bankrupt and then not having the means to, you know, feed them or even send them to slaughter, which is why they were all still in the barns. Like I'm kind of equating it to what happened with Hurricane Harvey in North Carolina, where it's like when there's a, a big disaster situation going on, the 
animal agriculture industry, it's not built to take any of the lives into consideration. When there's a big emergency, it's just like, oh, well, you know, the animals are just going to suffer. Yeah. So, and that's kind of what happened in this situation. The farmer was actually, she was actually great to work with. She, you know, we know that when we're not there, she handles them differently. But, you know, as we were picking them up carefully, instead of grabbing them by their feet, she was also picking them up carefully with us. Um, she, instead of just, you know, leaving them all there, she was actually um, talking to other groups. So some of the, the rest of the thousands of birds, they ended up going to zoos and wildlife organizations. They're going to use them to feed to the carnivores, which is by no means ideal at all. But like, it shows that she had a level of caring where she was like, I don't want them to just starve to death in these ammonia filled farms you know and like you know she didn't you know talk about her perspective in terms of like you know if whether or not she likes her job but I mean even us just going in there like we had to have face masks on and even with the face masks on there was just the stench of ammonia was so strong we were sliding on feces on the ground and so you know if that's what they have to deal with on a daily basis you know but sometimes that that's the only job that that people can get and like you know, I could go on about slaughterhouses and in fact, like bigger operations and the, the type of conditions that they have to work in. The turnover is extremely high. Um, these people are, you know, they're not making a lot of money, so they don't live any, you know, lavish lives because of it. Um, it's just like, you know, it's as much of an animal rights issue as it is a human rights issue. Let me ask you something. Um, cause I was wondering this, do you think that farmer would be receptive to speaking to somebody like us that used to be cattle ranchers that, I mean, you know, we're not your typical, you know, vegans. And this is the why chicken farmers talk to us or cattle ranchers or pig farmers. Um, that's why they're talking to us. And that's what the rancher advocacy program is really all about. I mean, since she's in this place where she's gone bankrupt and, you know, perhaps, just a conversation, not a judgment, just a conversation. Exactly. Yeah. And that's like a perspective that's unique to you that, you know, only you can bring. And so I would, I mean, I would love if you were able to talk to her. I'm, I'll am i talk to the team and see, you know, they, they've had more communications with her than I personally have. Um, so I'll see if they, you know, would be able to connect you with her and yeah, at least just have a conversation. Just a conversation. No, no, believe me, there's no judgment at all. I mean, yeah. we used to, I, I'm, what I always say, I mean, how can I judge when we used to send, you know, cows to the cell barn every six months? Right. How can I judge when I have a, a husband that had hundreds of horns and all kind of exotic animals, you know, around here that he used to hunt? He didn't do that anymore, thank God. He's vegan. You know, yeah. we're, we're a vegan family, you know, a vegan, you know, cattle ranching family you know, that's vegan now. So I would not have judge it, but it's a conversation that's that but what's happening. And the reason the rancher advocacy program exists is because folks like her started reaching out to us organically without me even picking up the phone. This is, you know what? I think this is the first time I've ever even asked because I don't need to ask. Wow. They contact us. Wow. So if, if you can just understand this conversation is changing farmers' lives. Mm-hmm. 
Wow, that's incredible. It's incredible work that you're doing. And like, because it can be really hard, I imagine, to talk to them if you don't have that background. So that's like something so niche that is so needed. And like, I'm personally so grateful for the work that you're doing with the Ranchers Advocacy Network. Thank you. Well, that's the reason um, that's the reason Sean Munson pulled out and said and introduced me to Jennifer Barrett. And now there's some really incredible things happening as a result. And that's incredible. Yeah. Wow. So what's next? So let's see over the coming weeks. So we need to get everyone who's in critical condition. We need to get them uh, healthy. So Sam is getting both her wings amputated tomorrow. Lucene is getting one. Um, And then, Oh, I believe there's one more surgery for tomorrow. Um, We have over the next few weeks, we have volunteers who are going to be transporting them all across the country. So really for the next few weeks, we're still just very, very much focused on this rescue. Um, We've actually had to hire some uh, temp workers, some of our volunteers um, to come and do our animal care, to care for the rest of the animals who are all at the same so it's going to take a few uh, a few weeks at least to kind of get back into the swing of things. Um, but we'll just be preparing for our visitor season. We open in March. We're open between March and November. And going to really just try to get as many people to rescue, um, <laughs> to visit the sanctuary as possible so we can make 2019 an even more impactful year than, uh, than previous ones. Wow. So how can, how can people help you going forward now that you've got uh, all these birds to transport all over the country? What uh, I saw that you met your goal and it's, yes. it's yeah, so we're, which is, oh my goodness, it's absolutely incredible. That is huge um, for us, especially um, that's an amazing amount to raise in uh, less than a week. Yeah. Uh, so we're today specific, like, so after we set that goal, we were actually concerned that it was a little bit low, especially once all the vet bills started coming in. So we're spending today really like going through everything and seeing if we need to raise that goal at all. Um, But what people, you know, we would love for people to follow us on social media, um, Facebook, we're at Lovin Arms Animal Sanctuary. That's L-U-V-I-N. Instagram, we're at Lovin Arms. And so people can continue to follow our journey um, as we rescue more animals. You know, we'll need to raise more funds eventually. So we're, we're fairly small right now, but we have property to grow into. So in the coming, you know, months, years, we're going to be building more barns. Um, we're going to be building an animal medical center down the road. So there's a lot of growth. And so, yeah, if people, you know, just follow us on social media, they'll be able to follow along with that growth and continue to help not just this rescued flock, but the dozens of animals who are in our care. Wow. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for telling us the story. Thank you so much for all that insight. That was incredible. Like I learned so much from this and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I don't know. I don't you know, know what we didn't do? What? Who are we? We are. We are that. The two. The two who? The two rowdy. The rowdiest vegans ever. <laughs> yeah, we always do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, um, and I also just wanted. Go ahead. I was, 
Oh, and I said before, you know, before we end, I also just wanted to thank you two. You two have been amazing advocates um, for this specific rescue, sharing our story, putting together that incredible video. Like we don't, we don't have the time or resources to do that. So we are just like, oh my gosh, I can't even thank you enough for everything that you're doing for the animals. And like, we love collaborating with other sanctuaries, especially sanctuaries, you know, all across the country. So just like, I want to express my sincerest gratitude for myself and everyone at Love and Arms as well. Thank you so much. It was our pleasure. We really, really loved doing it. It was just, it was just an honor. And to watch him work is like (laughs) watching just, uh, it's like watching Beethoven or something, honestly. Wow, oh, I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah. Well, please do keep us updated with your flock. We'd love to see pictures and, you know, yeah, eventually, like, as the, as the birds continue going into their homes, we want to continue to share their stories and just, like, share all of the amazing sanctuaries who are helping out with this rescue. So um, continue sharing. How, would, how do I follow you personally? Uh, you can find me um, on Instagram. I'm Chrissy Paw, P A W. Chrissy cool. P A W. Okay, I'm going to follow my, you. Uh, my maiden name was Pawlak, and so everyone used to call me Chrissy Paw. Now that I'm, my last name is Donardo, it doesn't make as much sense, but I used it for, the, uh, for my Instagram. Yeah. Well, it's cool. a, such a pleasure to meet you. You're just a, a, a beautiful soul inside out. Just You just radiate. Oh, thank you so much. And again, thank you for all you do. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, we'll talk on Wednesday morning. All right. Sounds good. Thank Peace you so out, much. Peace out, my darling. Yeah, have a good one. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Two Rowdy Vegans. We really appreciate it. If you want to follow the story of the chickens, go check out Love and Arms. You can find them on Facebook, on Instagram, anywhere. That's spelled L-U-V-I-N-A-R-M-S sanctuary and you can follow everything that's happening with the chickens with all the other animals that they have there if you enjoy this podcast as well please consider subscribing to it on itunes i can listen to it on itunes and spotify so wherever you want but if you can subscribe on itunes we really appreciate it also leave us a little review and a five-star rating that would really help us out in any case thank you again so much for listening we'll talk to you next week Two rowdy vegans, two, two, two rowdy vegans, two, two rowdy vegans, one plus one equals two rowdy vegans.